Now, this morning, I am bringing a lesson from the book of Luke on the life of Zacchaeus. I think most of us would know who is Zacchaeus. Uh, the children would know the song that they sing on Sunday about Zacchaeus and about how uh, the Lord was going to his house on that day. So let's just turn to um, Luke chapter 19. And um, I'm going to need my reading glasses. Uh, thank you, Lord, for reading glasses. <laughs> okay, uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to uh, verse 10. Okay, you have, if you have it, let's, uh, we'll read it together. Um, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Um, so he wanted to know who is this Jesus. And there was a crowd and he couldn't see uh, because he was short. Now, there are a number of people in the Bible who are mentioned by their height. We know uh, some of them, Goliath for once, uh, the, son of, the sons of Anak, right, who, who, were, who were said to be very tall. But perhaps Zacchaeus is the only one who is known for being short. Uh, but to be fair to Zacchaeus, the average height uh, during those times was just about five feet, five inches. So perhaps most of us today would be uh, about the same height or even taller than uh, the average people uh, that were then. So uh, I could imagine if Zacchaeus, uh, if Zacchaeus was standing among us, he would look at his, uh, the rest of his uh, city folk and say, ha, and you thought you were tall. But he couldn't see Jesus, right? Yet he didn't give up. He persisted with his desire to see the Lord. And he did much more than that. And so today we know uh, Zacchaeus not just as a man who was short, but also a man that the Lord said to him uh, that this is the son of Abraham, for I have come, the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' story is one of about persistence, about determination, uh, not only to see Jesus, but also to go all the way to the very end to walk into God's destiny. 
Let's just commit the time uh, into the Lord's hand. Father, we thank you for this morning that we can come together to worship you. Indeed, as we have sung, Lord, uh, Lord, we desire to worship you, desire to glorify your name. Lord, and as we sit in your presence, as we share the word, may your name be glorified. May our heart desire to know you more and more, to seek you and to walk into your purpose, your destiny. We thank you for this time, Lord. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A dictionary defines uh, persistence as continuing in the course of action uh, no matter what happens, uh, through difficulty, through opposition, through challenges. And a, pers a persistent person is someone who continues uh, to do something or perseveres to do something in a determined way. Uh, with an intention of reaching a goal. Now, when I was in high school, I remember uh, in tuition, uh, there was this uh, young girl from San Francisco convent, and she was very persistent. And what she would do is that every, every time we had tuition, she would sit right at the front, the first table nearest to the door, while the rest of us just want to get the last table, the last chair, right at the last row. And, um, and every time she finished her assignments, she finished her uh, questions, she would ask for more. She would ask for more, right? She would do more than what, is, what the rest of us would do. And I remember uh, during those times, we were a bit uh, upset, annoyed with her because every time she asked for more work, the rest of us had to do the work as well, right? Um, but but she was very hardworking, and that was one thing that, that still stuck to me to this very day. I, uh, I can't remember her name, but I still remember um, you know, her, her character. And, and, and you could tell from the way that her, her results were excellent, and uh, she excelled in her study, and I believe that she's a very successful um, you know, young lady even until today. Um, in a similar sort of way, persistence is, important, is an important quality uh, when we seek the Lord, because there will be obstacles all along the way. There will be challenges um, that, that is in the way of us coming to the Lord. Uh, and I believe that all of us, we've experienced these kind of obstacles, these kinds of challenges uh, in our lives. Uh, challenges and, and obstacles block um, our path to God's purpose, to God's destiny for us. And some of these uh, uh, challenges, I call them hindrances. Uh, they are external. You know, they are from external factors. They could be other people. It could be uh, situations uh, that we are facing. But some of it is also internal. Some of it comes from uh, deep in our hearts, you know, deep in our minds, deep in our spirit. Now, persistence is essential because there will be hindrances that stop us from coming to the Lord and entering into His purpose and destiny for us. Now, what are some of the hindrances uh, that stop us from coming to the Lord? Um, we know of many, of course, I'm sure. But today, we're just going to focus on two uh, that I feel that the passage um, uh, really draws out uh, from the life of Zacchaeus. Now, the first is our reputation and our social standing. Now, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, as we have read, and he's very rich. And Jericho is not just any Ulu town, you know, at the backwater of the, of, the, of the empire. This was a major bustling business town. It was a trading town. 
because it was on the way to Jerusalem. And so all the people who, had, uh, who, 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 uh, who were heading into Jerusalem would obviously pass through Jericho. Uh, it was also called the last stop before Jerusalem. So there were people who were going there to rest uh, on, that, on that long travel um, to Jerusalem. And so it wasn't just any small town. It was also uh, a very industrious town um, and also very rich. So when we know him as a chief tax collector, he was just not any chikula. You know, he wasn't a small fellow. He was, he was the big man, a tax collector. Right. And he was rich, uh, probably because he was very good at collecting tax and also from extracting additional, uh, um, uh, additional money from those who, who were being taxed. And he was probably good at what he does. And I'm sure that in that place, in that empire, during those times, that's what tax collectors did, right? And probably he was the best one, which is why he's the chief of tax collectors. Um, he was probably a very respectful man as well, a man who stood with his, uh, with his nose in the air um, because he was a uh, rich man, right? And yet we see that even in this situation, he didn't save his face, right? Um, he ran. When he couldn't see Jesus, when the obstacle was in front of him, when there were hindrances, the crowd was in front of him, and of course he was short. He didn't stop there. He didn't give up. He ran, right? The Bible says that he ran. And uh, running these, those days was not like today where we wear, um, you know, short, uh, long pants and skirt and sneakers and runners. Um, they were wearing wrong, long robes, right? And so you can imagine if you want to run, you probably had to lift it up a bit, right? And you could imagine the spectacle of this man running, uh, wherever he was going, running ahead so that he can see the Lord. Um, people would have been looking at him. If you imagine uh, one of the famous peoples in town and you see him running, wouldn't you think that it's odd, it's funny, right? And he just, he didn't just do that. He ran and after that, he climbed a tree. Um, and how many of us today with our clothes right now, we'll run outside and climb up a tree in front of everyone, right? So, that, but that was what he did, right? And, and so he wasn't afraid of his reputation. He wasn't afraid of what people, how people would look at him. He wasn't afraid of what people would say because obviously people would be laughing at him. Look at this man, right? Running and climbing up a tree like a child looking for a fruit. His reputation at that point would have been gone, right? He wasn't a nice man, of course, but whatever little reputation and respect he had with perhaps the business people was gone already. But he persisted in seeing Jesus even at that cost of losing his reputation. You know, today, are we sometimes held back from pursuing the Lord because we are too worried about what others think of us. Um, I remember the first time, first few months that I, I, I became a Christian. Uh, it, was, uh, it was in Desert Stream in Centerpoint in those days. And, um, and, and, and when it came to time of worship, 
it was always an, a very awkward moment for me. Of course, before the time of physical distancing, it was all very near. La. Everyone was shoulder to shoulder, uh, elbow to elbow. And, and so most of the, most of the young people there uh, have been worshipping for a long time and they were flowing in the Lord. And here, here was I, very awkward. I didn't know what to do, right? Uh, but yet I, I was, I was, I was worshipping God and I was, the words, the lyrics were speaking to me and I felt that, um, you know, there's something more. I didn't want to just put my hands together like this. But I was so embarrassed because I was concerned about what and the people next to me would say, or what the worship leader would think, you know, because they are looking at this. So I would clam up. I would just keep my hands in, you know, or sometimes if there's a chair, it's always good to have a chair because you can put your hand there, you know, and uh, as a prop, uh, because you don't know where to put your hands, right? Um, but it was really utterly miserable, right? Because it just felt that something was missing. Until one week, one Sunday, I, re- I said to myself, I'm just going to close my eyes uh, and just lift up my hands. And when I did that, there was just that release, um, you know, that, that sense of freedom. You know, finally, um, I felt this is what God wants me to do, you know, to, to lift up my hands, to just close my eyes and, and just praise Him. I didn't care about my reputation, you know, and certainly the people didn't, they, would, they, they didn't mind, right? It wasn't something that they were looking at. Um, but I was too worried with my own reputation, with my own social standing. Um, and, and that should not be the case when we pursue Jesus. That shouldn't be the case when we, when we, when we come after the Lord, when we seek His purpose and His destiny. You know, we need to buck the trend. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do what people want us to do or how... Um, or, or, or live the way that people tell us how we should live. But we should do what the Lord wants us to do and live the way and walk the way that the Lord uh, wants us to walk. Um, we shouldn't be too worried about what people think, right? In today's day and age, I, I really, uh, my heart goes out for the young people especially. I'm not sure if all of us know or heard of what we call cancel culture, right? Cancel as in cancel, batal. Not cancer, cancel. Meaning, if I don't, if you say something and I don't agree with you, I'm going to come out, um, you know, violently um, using, uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be polite about it. I'm going to just tell you that what you're saying uh, is wrong and not only wrong, that it, uh, it threatens my identity, it threatens my value, so whatever you are saying, um, you know, is not right. You have to take it away. You know, you, you, can't even, you can't even state your opinions about the matter. You can't even think that way. Just cancel it. All right. So that's what's cancel culture. And for a lot of young people these days, they face these kind of things. Um, they are unable to articulate or say something that, 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 um, you know, that, that they believe in. And uh, not only that, but but what the Bible says as well, right? Uh, and these are some of the, the pressures that we face in society, you know, um, what people expect us to do. But that shouldn't be something that we are worried about because whatever we do, 
people will always have an opinion about what we do, right? Don't you think so? Whether you, you do something well, whether you do something wrong, they'll still say that um, you, um, you, know, you are either uh, you know, trying to angkat kaki someone or trying to, you know, or you're just not doing well. Right? So don't be so concerned with what people think of you when we're pursuing the Lord, you know, but pursue Him. Just go after Him. You know, uh, just run after Him. Um, and the second reason why um, we, we sometimes don't run after the Lord we're sometimes so concerned with how people look at us is perhaps um, because we don't think it's important. You know, we don't think that uh, what the Lord has to give to us is that important anyway, right? So if it's not that important, then it's fine for me to just miss out. Um, if Zacchaeus was standing behind the crowd and thought that Jesus was not worth his time, um, to run ahead and climb up a tree, he would just have given up and probably gone home uh, you know, for the rest of the day. Sometimes we, 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 don't, we don't persevere, we don't persist because we don't think what the Lord has in store for us, His purpose, His destiny, uh, His promises, is really worth pursuing. Um, Audrey and I, we, we, we love Nando's chicken. I'm not sure if all of us likes Nando's, but uh, Nando's is one of our favorites. Uh, and I remember we used, it, they, they used to be only in Sunanjong only, right? Uh, in KL, in the rest of Peninsula, Malaysia, but not in Sabah. And I remember that when, when, when Odie came back um, in 2012, uh, she, she was just longing for Nando's chicken. But it wasn't in Sabah, right? And, but she persisted because she wanted to taste that chicken once again. And, and so what she did was she started this group on Facebook, right? And uh, the, the, the group had a simple objective, which is to bring Nando's to Sabah. And that was the name of the, the group in Facebook. I don't think it's there anymore. But she was the administrator. Lah. You know, she was the one who started it. And the objective was to get as many people uh, to join that group so that Nando's Malaysia will, will, uh, you know, be, uh, will, will see that and, also, and, and consider moving uh, to Sabah, right? And of course, initially, um, they didn't do that. They say that it's not a franchise and we're not thinking of opening. But subsequently, they did. They opened in, in Sabah. Right, and we all uh, get to enjoy Nando's. So we, we all of us, uh, have Audrey to thank for having Nando's in Sabah. <laughs> and and I remember the the first time we we had Nando's. Right, it was they, I think they opened in one Borneo first. Uh, Connie was with us, uh, uh, and we went with my parents and my siblings, uh, and we had to queue up for two hours. Can you imagine? for two hours just to have chicken, you know, quarter chicken. Um, but we persisted, right, throughout because we thought it was worth it, because we thought our goal was what we wanted. Um, but do we give up too easily um, when, when we pursue the Lord? Is it because we don't think that what the Lord has in store for us um, really is 
are all that we can have, the best that we can have. Um, does it matter when we miss out on the Lord's destiny for us? Um, of course it does, right? Because Jesus uh, is the way, the truth, and the life. And whatever he has for us is the way, the truth, and the life. And anything less than that means that we are not living in the way, the truth, and the life. And we're living less than what the Lord desires for all of us. So it really, truly matters um, that we need to persist um, to, to, to really capture whatever the Lord has promised and desires for us. Um, in chapter 18 of, uh, of the same book of Luke, uh, Jesus tells the parable of a widow who pestered this unjust judge for justice against her adversary, right? And, um, and I, when I was reading chapter 19 and chapter 18, um, you know, one of the things that really stood out was that she persisted. This widow persisted even though she knew that the judge may just be unfair, unjust, uh, and may not grant her justice, right? But the, the, the lesson of the story tells us that in the end, um, the judge gave in and said, I'm going to attend to this woman's request, right? And the lesson is that she persisted. She didn't care. She didn't care whether the judge looked at her like a crazy woman. She didn't care whether uh, he would kick her out or put her in jail for, for, for pestering him because her desire was for justice, right? And that was the focus that she had. And whatever means necessary um, to get that thing that she wanted, right? And that should be the kind of attitude that we have towards the Lord and his purposes, his desires, his promises for us as well whatever means necessary. You know, don't care what people think. Don't, don't, don't consider what others would think. And, and, just, and just really persist um, to receive, to, to get what the Lord desires for us. Because if we are too concerned with our reputation, we miss out on the good things that God has planned and purpose for our lives. The second thing is our self-reliance and security. Uh, can be hindrances to stop us from coming to the Lord. Uh, it's good for us to consider uh, two more characters um, in this passage. Uh, I know I'm pushing back towards chapter 18 as well, because, but I feel that it, it, it is uh, relevant to, to, this, to the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, we don't have time to go through it today, um, but I want to encourage all of us that, uh, uh, when you have time to, to read through chapter 18 and 19 together. Right. And, and there are two uh, other characters that I want, to, uh, I want to bring to us today. And uh, one is the rich man that Jesus encountered. Now briefly, um, the rich man came to Jesus and uh, asked him, um, you know, how does one gain eternal life? And uh, we can turn to the book of Luke uh, quickly. Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 uh, to 27, right? Uh, read it out for us. Uh, now a certain ruler asked 
him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come to follow me. But when, the, when he heard this, he became very sorrowful because he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? But, but he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So uh, briefly, this is, this is the story of, uh, of this uh, young rich ruler, right? And he wanted to know what is the way to eternal life. So the Lord mentioned five commandments to him, right? We just read it. Uh, and the young man replied that he's kept all of it from the time he was a youth. And let's just pause there because it's very funny, right? Um, he says that he's kept all of the commandments, right? But fails to mention that the Lord did not mention one of the commandments, uh, you know, uh, in that particular, uh, you know, uh, in that commandments, right? Um, because that was one of the commandments that this ruler could not keep. And what is this commandment? Do we know? You guys, when you read that, did you realize there was one missing um, out of, uh, out of the six uh, last commandments in the Ten Commandments. Um, it says here, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your father and your mother. There's one more missing, right? And that is, do not covet uh, what your neighbours has, right? And that was, the, that was the thing, that one thing that this ruler could not, um, you know, could not keep, which is not to cover what others had, which is not to look at the riches of others, the properties of others, what others, uh, you know, the workers, their, their, their spouse and everything, um, because that was a sin that he had in his heart. And that was why Jesus, when he when looked at this, this ruler, he said, um, one thing you lack and you need to deal with it. You have a sin in your heart, which is covetousness. And you look at the things of, you look at what others have, and you begin to compare. And when you feel insecure, you run after these things. You start to build your own castle. You start to gather riches for yourself, just to compete, because what you're seeing others have. Um, and, and, and that was one thing that was stopping um, this ruler from really coming to the Lord wholeheartedly. It was his covetousness. It was a sense of security that he had um, with the riches that he had. Right? And Jesus wanted to break that by challenging him to not rely on that security, to let go, 
You know, you, you're doing well. You know, you're, you're living a, a, a life of a righteous man. But this sin is stopping you from coming to God, from drawing nearer uh, to the Lord. And the, and, and the Lord, and Lord Jesus wanted to deal with that. He wanted to deal with this man's uh, self-sufficiency, uh, that security that he had, um, you know, keeping to himself, um, relying on, on what he has, relying on what he can do, and what, not what the Lord is able to give to him. There's another character um, that, that, that is in chapter 18, um, and, and this is Bartimus. Bartimus is a blind man, right? Now, Bartimus, on the other hand, when he heard um, that, that Jesus was around, uh, what he did was he threw away his cloak and came after Jesus, right? Um, you know, when we read this, uh, someone throwing away the cloak, we, we don't get the sense of uh, what he was doing. But for, for a beggar uh, during those times in a crowded city, that cloak was everything to him, right? Because he was living in the streets. He was begging. Um, and it would, it would kept him out of the elements. It would kept him away from the dust on the street, uh, perhaps the rain or the mud and everything. It protected him. The cloak was his only possession. But he gave away that cloak. He threw it away. He didn't even bother. He threw away that one security that he had so that he can come to Jesus and receive what Jesus uh, can give him. Uh, both these men responded differently right, to, to the way Jesus was addressing their insecurities and the way they rely on their own security. The, the ruler, the young ruler, relied on himself and the security of knowing that what he had was far more precious uh, than what the Lord was able to give to him. Now, Bartimaeus, the blind man, on the other hand, gave up whatever little that he had, and that was all that he had um, in his life so that he could have what Jesus uh, could give to him. Are we self-reliant in our own lives? Are we comfortable where we are? Um, and we don't have a need for Jesus you know, because we're so secure where we are um, with whatever we have, uh, with our family, with, with our friends, with our career, with our uh, EPF, you know, with our pension, um, with our insurance, that we no longer have that desire to, to step out of our comfort zone and to receive what Jesus is able to give to us? Or are we uncertain? Are we unfam are not familiar with the Lord and we don't want to risk our security? Um, you know, Bartimaeus, the blind man, could have considered that way. He could have held on to his cloak, right, and followed Jesus and looked for Jesus. He could have thought, what if uh, I go to Jesus and I'm not healed there? You know, what if I go to Jesus and, and, um, and he doesn't heal me? You know, how am I going to look for my cloak um, among the people that are passing by? Um, but he didn't. He didn't consider that. He just threw it away. Um, because Jesus in that situation was everything and, uh, that, that he had and everything that could... That, that, um, that, that Jesus was the only hope um, for that blind man to get out of that situation. 
Um, there's this uh, South American preacher, Jim Elliott, uh, who gave his life for the gospel. Um, I think um, he's been mentioned here before. And this is what he has to say. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Are we holding on to things that, that are temporal? You know, are we holding on to our securities that are really very fleeting? COVID-19 has, has really taught us a lesson that all that we're holding on and relying on really is very temporal, very fleeting. And any moment, as we've seen, when the Lord comes, it can be taken away. It's very interesting that uh, most of, a lot of people uh, in the world uh, have this idea that the Chinese were behind um, the spread of COVID-19. It was, came from a lab, and then there was a breakout. It sounds like a Hollywood movie, right? But you know what? When I think of it, it gives them a sense of security because it's better to think that what has happened to the world is something that man did rather than to think it is God who does it, right? Because when God is the one who do it, there's no way for us to control, right? So it was, it's, it's like a comfort la, to people to think, yeah, the Chinese lab did it, you know, it broke up from a Chinese lab. It's a scarier thought to the world when we consider that it is God speaking to us. What is our security in life? What are we holding on? I'm going to encourage us um, you know, don't hold on to things that are temporal because um, these things will not last, you know, but let us, let, us, um, let us lay hold of what Christ, what the Lord, what God desires to give to us because these things are eternal. Um, the next thing is that sin stands in the way of us entering into God's destiny and purpose. Now, there's no denying one thing, you know, Zacchaeus is indeed a man who got rich cheating the poor. Okay? That's, that's fine. We all understand that. Uh, it was something that was common among the people. right? They probably, uh, the taxpayers probably did it to everyone. Uh, and, and it was probably business as usual for most of them. And, um, and why should he be any different? Right? I, I can imagine Zacchaeus would probably have thought that, why should I be different from the rest of the people who do the same thing? Right? Everyone's doing it, everyone's getting a cut, then why shouldn't I get a cut as well? Um, uh, and yet he encountered Jesus. He met Jesus, and when Jesus spoke to him, he received Jesus joyfully. And you can imagine uh, when he came down, and he, he was uh, showing the Lord to his big house that he acquired with all the money that was ill-gotten, uh, you know, his big, uh, his big couch that you rest on to eat, uh, leather maybe, right? Uh, not from Ikea because Ikea is too cheap. Maybe from Fela, is it? Fela is like more expensive. Uh, and, and, uh, and maybe I, the Bible doesn't say when he started to feel that this was wrong, right? Uh, but, but there was no hiding it from the Lord. Because in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lord, our sins will be exposed. 
It doesn't matter where, whether we're going to tell him. It's not, it doesn't matter whether, uh, you know, um, we, uh, whether, whether we, we plan to tell him. In the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, all our sins will be exposed. In this case of the story, uh, it was exposed by the crowd. Maybe the crowd were really upset, took offense, and say, he's going into the house, he's sitting in the house of a sinner. All right. Another time, uh, we can talk about uh, lessons we, we can receive from, you know, from the crowd. But today, we'll talk about Zacchaeus. And what happened? What did Zacchaeus do? He didn't deny it. He didn't say no. You know, I didn't steal it. I'm going to sue you, defamation. Uh, you know, uh, how much was it the other day? 10, billion, 10 million ringgit or 20 million ringgit for saying something I did that wasn't true in the newspaper and not saying, not apologizing for that. It's defamation. Right? Cancel culture. Keep quiet because you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the trauma I went through as a kid. I didn't have money and now I have to, I have to feel secure. That's why I take money from people. You know? He didn't give any reasons. He immediately stood up and admitted to the Lord. He admitted his guilt. Right? Um, he, he was eager to make amends for his sinful past. He didn't give any excuses. He didn't deny his wrongdoing. He admitted that he did it. And he used the words, if I have taken anything, I give in return. Uh, for, for us English readers, when we read the word if, it is, uh, is as if saying that um, if is, it, it may not have happened or it may have happened, right? But in the way that it was written in the Greek language, um, this if actually um, means uh, it is an admission of that it is something that he did, right? It was a confession that he committed fraud, right? And he wasn't giving excuses. In the presence of the Lord, when his sin was exposed, he decided that he had to deal with it. And Zacchaeus, of course, promised to return fourfold, right? Um, fourfold is a lot, no? 400%, right? Fourfold is 400%. I'm, I'm way back with percentages, so fourfold four, four is 400%, right? That's four times of what was taken, right? So, um, and, and in the Bible, it's interesting uh, when, when, when the Bible prescribes a, a, um, you know, a penalty of fourfold, Usually, uh, from what I found, it is um, to do with theft, uh, specifically cattle theft or you know stealing of uh, livestock, right? So if you steal one ox uh, and you're caught, you have to return uh, four fo uh, four oxes in return, right? Um, and that's what Zacchaeus did. What was he? What was he saying? What was he telling the Lord? He was admitting that. He did wrong, but not only that, that he stole, that he was a thief, right? Um, he was admitting that he was the lowest rung of criminals, you know, not just any, uh, um, um, not just any high-ranking kind of criminal, but the lowest of lowest, a cattle thief. Um, In our own lives, we need to make 
the right responses towards sin that is at our door, that is exposed. And there's no two ways about it. Because to allow sin to reside in our hearts um, would cause us to lose our destiny just like this, uh, just like that ruler who, who walked away from the Lord. And we should not make excuses about it as well. You know, don't make excuses for your sins. You know, and admit it to the Lord in the presence of, of God. Um, Zacchaeus admitted his fraud in the most damning way possible. He called himself a thief. Um, you know, last week we, 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 we heard how Paul says that he's the chief of all sinners. And Zacchaeus was almost saying the same thing. I'm a thief. You know, I'm not even a professional uh, um, CBT kind of uh, 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 criminal, right? I'm just a downright thief. And you could imagine what would have happened to his career. He just admitted to, 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 uh, to being a criminal. He probably had lost his job as a chief tax collector. Not only that, he gave away, he says that he's, he, he Look, Lord, here I will give away half of my possessions to the poor. And out of the remaining half, fourfold of what I stole, you know, will be given up. He would have lost not only his career, not only his standing in society, not only his reputation, but his livelihood as well. Um, but with that, what did he gain, my dear friends? He gained his destiny, right? He gained what the Lord is able to give him. He gained eternal life. You know, what an amazing story for all of us that sometimes we hold on to the temporal things, the things that we think is really matters, right? But when we give it all, when we, when we admit to our sins, when we walk away from the life that is not honoring to God, um, yeah, we may feel that we are at the bottom of the pit. We may feel that dark days are coming. How are we going to survive? We just gave away our security. We just gave away all our livelihood. But yet, in store of that, in the presence of God, when the presence of the Lord is in our lives, we gain so much, so much, so much more. So I want to encourage us in our lives um, you know, to, to persist with the Lord. Um, I was, when I received this, uh, this passage um, that, that is to be preached this week, I was, I was praying and one of the things that came to me was very, very odd, right? And I've, it was impressed in my heart that the Lord says that we need to offer up our sins to Him. Uh, and that was very odd, right, for me at least, right, because I felt, yeah, offer up sins. How do you offer up your sins? Um, and as I was thinking about it, it, it really, somehow, it, be, it began to dawn on me that some of our sins, right, are really things that we cherish so much, right? Our pet sins are, you know, sins that we treasure, sins that give us security, sins that give us a sense of value, a sense of worth, right? And, uh, and, and a lot of time, these sins 
are things that is so difficult for us to let go of. Because we're so used to it. It gives us security. It gives us a sense of value, a sense of worth. And what the Lord is saying is that we need to offer these things up. We need to give it to Him. Right? Uh, we need to, to, to surrender all these sins uh, to Him. Um, what are the deepest and darkest sins that the Lord has revealed in your life? Uh, in His presence, when the Lord reveals to us, it is not because He wants to condemn us, but the Lord desires for us to offer that to Him in return to receive something of greater value, something of eternal value. So we need to offer up our sins in order to receive in return God's destiny for us. Um, you know, in, in, the, in the last line of the story, recall, recall the words of the Lord. He says He has come. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And certainly on that day for Zacchaeus, uh, he was found by the Lord. He was saved. And much more, so much more, I believe. We're not told much more about the life of Zacchaeus, but we know that in the Lord, you know, that there, you know, that there is no lack. There's blessings. There's bountifulness. Zacchaeus, the name of Zacchaeus means pure. Isn't it ironic when we think of the story of Zacchaeus? Um, this man... Uh, you call him pure, but he lived a life of a con man, stealing and conning money from those who are helpless, from those who are poor. Um, when his parents named him, I'm sure they had great hopes, wonderful hopes for him to live a life that is pure, that is set apart. Um, but throughout the life, we can safely assume he fell into a life of of conning people, of sin, right? But when he ran after the Lord, when he climbed that tree, his destiny was restored. And he was called the son of Abraham. It's very interesting. Why did the Lord call him the son of Abraham? Aren't they all sons of Abraham? They're all Israelites, right? And I believe... Uh, what the Lord is saying is that this man, Zacchaeus, is not only a son of Abraham by birthright, by descendants, but also a son of Abraham in spirit. He was living um, the way that God desires for descendants of Abraham to live, to be a blessing to generations. And and I believe that was what Zacchaeus did when he admitted to his sin, when he decided he's not going to admit it, he's going to give, he's going to bless. He was living a life of a son of Abraham. Um, so I want to encourage all of us that uh, to persist. Whatever, the, whatever God has desired for you in your life, whatever God is saying to you, there might be obstacles in front of you that is hindering you from going into that path. Don't give up. Uh, don't give in uh, to your own uh, fear of what people would think or your fear of security. But lay hold of the Lord. You know, um, offer to Him the things uh, that He's exposing in your life. 
And in return, the Lord will give you so much more. The Lord will give you a purpose and a destiny. Shall we all pray? Father, we thank you for this time, uh, this morning you spoke um, and you are speaking to us even right now. Lord, we thank you for um, the example that you have shown to us in the life of Zacchaeus. Lord, a man whose name meant pure, but he fell into sin. He walked a life of sin. He made a living of it. But Lord, that it was not the end. We didn't know Zacchaeus because he was short. But we know him because you call him son of Abraham, the ones that you have come to save, to seek and to save. Father, we thank you for that hope that is in you, that even when we have fallen into a life of sin, Lord, that that is not the end that your desire is to seek us so that we can find you, Lord, and so that you can save us. Father, we thank you for your great, great love because when you save, Lord, you also give us a purpose and a destiny that is found in you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that while we were yet sinners, when we did not know you, just like the way Zacchaeus didn't know you, that you gave Jesus as a ransom for all of us so that we can be restored to you. Lord, truly, there is none like you Lord, there is no one like you. 